Hey guys, I wanted to let you know about our upcoming annual Cultural Thanksgiving on September 30th at 8th Wonder Brewing. This is our largest event of the year where we gather to celebrate the melting pot that is our community. Join us to see cultural performances, sample local cuisines, and shop at our cultural marketplace as you enjoy the fresh brews of 8th Wonder. Find out more at cultureandcuisinehtx.com or via the link in our bio. See you there. Production and audio editing brought to you by Richard Borger with Meraki Recordings. And they walk in and they don't read the sign. It says Cajun food, but they see an Asian lady and they look at me and they're like, you do you have, have a fry? <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, you have shrimp fried rice? I'm like, no. it's a Cajun restaurant. Well, Cajun should have shrimp fried rice. You're Asian, aren't you? I was like, it's a Cajun restaurant just because I'm Asian. And for a long time, I was I didn't, I was not nice. Although both Vietnamese by ancestry, Cook and Lisa both decided to pursue restaurant concepts outside of that culture. They remind us that in our evolving nation where the minority is the majority, we can't assume that people have one place that they call home. From building relationships with customers to maintaining culinary authenticity, Cook and Lisa laugh and share with us how they navigate social stereotypes and remind us that we aren't all that different after all. Welcome to Culture and Cuisine, the podcast, where we are increasing cultural awareness and empathy within the Houston community through conversations with restaurants from different cultural backgrounds. And with these conversations, we can see through to the shared humanity within us all and begin to realize that we're all out there trying to find happiness, success, and survive. And just like cuisine, we all do it a little differently based on how we were raised. I'm your host, Casey Hirschman. Today, we're with an interview duo, Cook Lamb. I'm Cook Lamb, um, about to open Sing. And Lisa Carnley. Uh, my name is Lisa Carnley, formerly with Cajun Stop. We also welcome back my in the field co host, Pedro Corral. Hi, this is Pedro Corral. We begin our interview understanding how Cook and Lisa selected, learned about, and grew the cuisines and businesses for the cultures that they are passionate about. Okay, um, so this is Lisa. I've, um, I've been in the restaurant business since I was a kid, pretty much, with my family. And um, a few years ago, or actually like 12 years ago, I think Katrina hit New Orleans, and then I ended up here. Never owned my own restaurants, uh, did a lot of other things and decided, you know what, I want one. And so I opened one up, ended up being Cajun because I was in Louisiana for many years. I actually didn't know how to cook when I first opened it. <laughs> so I learned. Anyways, um, so yeah, opened up a Cajun restaurant. I'm Vietnamese, uh, but Cajun cuisine because there was, it was, in a, it was a niche, it was missing in Houston, and I was able to um, bring that here. And I, I did it pretty successfully. I've been in the business for about 10 years, and I recently sold off the business, but I do uh, a lot of consulting, and I do help people with their restaurants. Did you ever do any like fusion? I know apparently Cajun and like Vietnamese like crawfish so I, is a thing. I, so I thought about it for years. My restaurant is really well known for authentic okay. uh, Cajun food. Yeah. And in the last year or so uh, before um, 
Well, the last couple of years, I added on a little bit of Asian fusion just because it became a huge thing to add a bunch of garlic and stuff on top of crawfish. And I gave in and I added on four little flavors and it was kind of my only fusion. Every now and then when I was in the mood, I would do an Asian dish. I, I did Bumbo Wei once and I sold out of like a ginormous gumbo pot of it. Um, but it's just once in a blue moon. When I'm in the mood, I'll do something Asian, but not often in the Cajun restaurant. Okay, got it. Cool. So, okay. um, this is Cook. I am not school taught. I was kitchen taught and inspired by my mom. Um, always loved to cook, always loved to share my food. Um, I actually owned a dive bar a few years back and I got to cook the daily special every night and it was really cool to see the smiles on people's faces and I think the both of us, we share that in common. It's just like the most wonderful feeling when someone's eating your food and you know that you made that and you made them happy. Um, I'm about to open Sing, a Singaporean inspired restaurant uh, with my partner in town, Jerry Lasco. Um, I am just so excited to bring this cuisine to, to Houston. It's a melting pot of a lot of different Asian flavors, Vietnamese, Thai, Malaysian, Indian, Chinese. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing that and it should happen in a few months. Awesome. And there's nothing like that in Houston or around? Well, there are Malaysian right. restaurants and I think there's one Singapore cafe in Sugarland. I haven't checked that one out yet, but nothing the way we're doing it. We're touting ourselves as the first next-gen restaurant because we're really considering customer engagement and communication and kind of, you know, we've been listening and reading a lot of research and figuring out what's working in the restaurants and what people really want mm -hmm. and really trying to deliver something that is going to mean something to them. Yeah, that's really cool. It's a good, um, when I came here 10 years ago, it's, Houston was missing a few things and customer service, unfortunately, and relationship building. Even to this day, I have a really good relationship with my clientele, actually. Uh, Cook started coming to the restaurants, but you know, we built a relationship outside of the restaurant, but good relationships is what's missing. And a lot of uh, business owners, they don't realize, even though you're a restaurant, if you have a good relationship with your customers, um, they're going to come back and support you. And even if you're having bad days, no matter how terrible it was, they're not going to go and put that terrible review on there. They're actually going to call you up and say, hey, you should fix that. And as a business owner, you want that. You want somebody to say, hey, do that or whatnot. And the fact that they're actually looking to see what people are looking for, they're going to build a good relationship, I find. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. No, that's true. I agree. You're touching on something very interesting, and as you know, the, the main uh, theme or, or mission for uh, culture and cuisine is you know that integration with not only with customers but the community and uh, you know building those relationships with with anyone trying your cuisine. I think is the main you know the key thing, and it's as you're saying, it's rewarding for you as chefs, but also I think that's where the magic happens and the integration, right, and, and learning about other cultures and yeah. other people. Yeah. So. so I left something key out when I was talking about myself at the beginning. Um, along the lines of what Pedro's saying, I did pop-ups for a while, and I've served over a 1,000 people in my own home. And these pop-ups were really experiences to gather people who the, co the only common trend was that they loved food. And they loved a specific Everybody type of food. food. Well, that's not true. That's not true. You can't, not everyone is a foodie. <laughs> but you know, you can put strangers in a room and um, put a plate of food in front of them and they'll have something to talk about. 
And I think that's the connection. Uh, when Pedro came to me and told me about um, cultures and cuisines, I thought, that's really cool. I mean, those two words go hand in hand. You never, you don't think about it on a daily basis, but that's really what you, you know, come together at the end of the day as a family or as friends, you know, gathering, you're sharing a meal. And that's an experience that carries. And so that's, that's really cool. Yeah, and I feel, you know, we'll kind of go out of order because we're doing this <laughs> doing this live, but, um, you know, one of the things we like to ask is, like, what you've learned from other cultures, interacting with them through the industry, and since you, especially with the pop-ups, interacted with so many different people, and then, like, Cajun is obviously very different than Vietnamese traditionally, so, you know, have y'all learned anything, I guess, about either other cultures or just, like, humanity in general from all these interactions? <laughs> I better not comment well, now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell. Um, yeah. We traveled to Singapore to learn about the culture. When um, I was approached with this um, project to open a Singaporean-inspired restaurant, yeah. and it was just amazing to see this melting pot of different cultures come together and bring distinct flavors and distinct dishes, and not get caught up in that whole quote-unquote fusion, mm -hmm. because. Fusion Asian food is not, it's not real Asian food to me. Mm. If you've got a, an authentic Vietnamese dish or an authentic Malaysian dish, um, and it's cooked by you know, a Malaysian person or a Vietnamese person, they're carrying the, the, the ingredients and the spices that they've used, passed down from their grandmother to their mom to whatever. And, and it's all that history yeah, in it's, the ingredients. It's, it's a real, um, comfort food for them and I want to bring things like that and not say okay I'm gonna put Korean I'm gonna put kimchi on tacos and call it a Korean taco that's fusion and I think you know it, and that's cool I mean that's that's great that that's happening um, but I think it's very important to kind of keep your roots and understand where you came from and if you didn't come from it try to understand it because that gives you a more meaningful experience when you eat the food to know that you know those spices you know were used specifically for a reason mm, yeah well for for me culture doesn't necessarily mean you know asian or um you know mexican or american or whatever for me for me it was almost like a state-to-state -state kind of culture mm -hmm. you know coming from louisiana the culture as far as personality laid back the food the flavor everything was different i mean everybody argues about the way the crawfish is cooked, because in the way we cook it, it's, it's, it's almost like its own little country itself or its own little culture. You know, we soak it, we cook it a certain way, we care for our crawfish a certain way. And um, here in Texas, you know, it's it's a different culture. Yeah. They, they want to do fusion everything. And to me, it was like really hard. I was like, but that is not authentic. <laughs> and it drove me nuts for years. And finally, I was like, you know, we still have our original. But, you know, when it, she's talking about building a business, keeping up with the times, integrating in, you know, things. Millennials are so different. Mm -hmm. um, so with that being said, you know, I had to change. Otherwise, I'm going to be lost way behind if I didn't grow up with it. So it caused me to do a little bit of fusion. But at the end of the day, my primary marketing was it's the original, it's true Cajun, and it's super authentic, you know? Soaked, not sprinkled. Soaked, not sprinkled. <laughs> yes, that's correct. That was my, for years, I would put that up. And anybody from Louisiana or anybody that knew anything about crawfish would see 
that she knows what she's saying because she's making fun of everybody else, which was what I was doing. <laughs> so, love it. So, um, y'all both talk, you know, about food for you growing up, and it was like a big piece, whether working in the restaurant or you know cooking with family or whatever. But then y'all y'all ended up not cooking cuisine of your um, background. So how did that happen? Like why the ones you chose, you know, all that? Well, I, I can answer that. Yeah. Um, it's freaking hard <laughs> for me. No, it takes a lot of time okay. and the ingredients are like super fresh. Well, Cajun food it is too. But when I came, the reason why I didn't choose to because there was an, a huge influx of Asian American, Vietnamese, Chinese, every, every, all of that was already here. Mm. So there was no reason for me to try to compete. And, and when I came, there, was not, there were Cajuns, but they were not real. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I, I built my name and grown was because I, I figured out, well, there is nothing authentic that is real, real, true Cajun. Yeah. But I mean, growing up, that's all I ate was Asian food. My, but you know, my grandma would spend a couple of hours on a pot of soup or whatever. I spent a few hours making a pot of gumbo and I take a lot of time, I put a lot of time into my crawfish, but everything else, I do in like five minutes. <laughs> and so being in the business, it's just, you know, quick service, lunch. I, ca I made sure I catered to the business that was coming in. And so I didn't choose like my own Vietnamese cuisine to cook. I, I know how to cook most of it, but definitely not as well as Cook does. <laughs> so, yeah, but I agree with you. I mean, we are fortunate to live in a town where there's no shortage of any type of cuisine here. But Asian on days that I want it, <laughs> there is a shortage on Mondays. On Mondays, yeah. In the woodlands too. <laughs> oh yes, very. Uh, but you know, our Chinatown, or now it's Asia Town. Mm -hmm. You know, really, there's a pho shop, a bunmi shop, any type of shop you want. Yeah. And I just recently talked to my mother about this, actually. We grew up in southern Mississippi where there were no Asian restaurants. Mm -hmm. We had to drive to New Orleans to go eat pho if we wanted to, if, if my mom wasn't going to make it. Okay. And it's an overnight process, 12 hours in the pot, and you wake up Sunday morning and the house smells like pho because she's cooked it all night. So um, here, gen this, this next generation of Asian kids are not gonna know how to cook any Vietnamese dishes. I swear because- Or speak their language. They can go pick it up in the store. Yeah. And, and so they don't know how to make anything and it's really sad. But I'm, I'm very fortunate. I was interested and in asked questions and watched my mom and learn techniques. And to answer your base question about why I'm not cooking Vietnamese, well, I do get to cook Vietnamese. You know, the best thing about Singaporean cuisine is it encompasses that as well. And as an adult eater, I love spicy food and I love bold flavors and Thai food is like one of my favorite cuisines and there's a huge um, amount of Thai influence in, in Singaporean cuisine so that's, that's why I was like you know what Singapore lets me cook the dishes that I love regardless of what culture it comes from yeah. um, and so I do get to do some Vietnamese and some Thai and some Chinese. <laughs> We've talked to different chefs and, and people attending the culture and cuisine events uh, about you know how they started in a certain cuisine and how why they like it. Um, and sometimes there's no specific order actually on, on how you do it. Like people like you, for instance, might start cooking what you were used to in your family. Some others is the opposite, right? Uh, there's really no right or wrong. 
But the the question I have is, you know, at what point in in that life or in your business realized that you probably had a responsibility or a desire to teach people and teach others about, again, your culture or your uh, family's culture and, and cuisine. Because I think that's a big, um, you know, important piece in, in the history because you might start a restaurant as a business and that's probably the case for most people owning a, a business. But then at some point, I think something clicks and changes, right? And you feel even more passionate and more uh, eager to try new things and show the, the world what you can so do. Can I, you know, I, I taught school for about eight years. I taught seventh grade uh, and eighth grade English. And as a teacher and as a facilitator, I think that had already always been inside mm -hmm. me. I first started my blog for that reason. I, taught, I have a 23-year-old son, and when he was about 11, he was interested in cooking, just for a moment, because you know he wanted to be an astronaut and a fireman and all that. But at that moment, I thought, I need to figure out how to capture my recipes, how to find a platform where I can share this. Um, and so I started the Just Cook It blog so that I could record my, you know, my recipes and share my experiences. And it's exactly like you said. We, I feel like we do have a responsibility to present information correctly. And um, if people are interested in learning about our culture through our food, we are the ambassadors. I mean, it would be inappropriate for us to, you know, say, okay, well, here's egg rolls. I don't know why it's called an egg roll, or I don't know what sauce to use with it, or I, you know, I don't know what wrapper it is. Because then you're just like, I mean, you can't. You can't be an idiot about it. <laughs> and I don't, I don't profess myself as a chef. I, I'm, a te I'm a teacher, and I think that's, um, that enables me to touch a lot of different fields. And when I'm cooking, I, I take on that role as well. Um, if, it's, if it is teaching about um, herbs to use, you know, and, and the right rice paper to use, the right noodle to use for certain dishes. But we touch on a lot of that through those pop-up dinners because all those questions come up. They're like, you know, well, why did you use this? Or does this grow here or whatever? And so if I have to do the research ahead of time, so I have to figure it out, that's, that's my responsibility. And so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So I'm going to touch on uh, being a chef. And I, I can be considered a chef nowadays, um, except I can't bake. My Instagram profile says chef can't bait but I'm gonna touch on it from a business standpoint now because um, I do real estate and a lot of restaurateurs they believe that chefing and owning restaurants are about the same thing and it's not chefs and owners are very different and I just happen to be both but some chefs they go in they open the restaurant and, and they see all these successful people making money so for some people, it is a dollar amount. Um, but for some people, the people who have a lot of passion, they are chefs working for the restaurateur, or I just happen to be one of those crazy people. I, um, I was in real estate 13 years ago, and I was super, super successful right before I went in, back into the restaurant business. And um, I found that of polishing people's nails and uh, doing mortgages, life insurance, um, doing real estate and mortgage title, whatever it was, you never got that satisfaction. That satisfaction, what, in the restaurant business, I always told people, it's the only business that if you do it right and the service is right, 
you put a smile on people's faces and people are happy. Okay. That's the only time they're genuinely happy because I think happy that's the only time I'm, mm -hmm. exactly. My, I always, I told it's my husband, basic. the weight of my heart is yeah. through my stomach, right? Yeah. Yeah. Feed me and I'm happy. And so for me, it, it was more of, it, it made people happy, not necessarily the money. And then the fact that people just, People wanted to know more about Louisiana, real Louisiana. Well, this is real. What, what's the difference between this bread and that bread? Well, let me tell you the difference. That one's fluffier. This one's, uh, you know, a little bit heavier on the inside. And then the, the way your shrimp's cooked, the background about crawfish. People don't know that a lot about crawfish. And, um, you know, when you tell them, it's like, oh, that's interesting, you know. And every year, the news, they call me up and they always say, hey, Lisa, tell us. Tell us what your crawfish prediction is this year, and I'll tell them. I, I know what, what's going to happen with crawfish season because of the weather or whatever it is, but that's kind of, it's fun letting people know this is how it is. I don't talk as much about the Asian culture, but I do know a lot about um, New Orleans food and, you know, Cajuns. And a lot of people, they always have that confusion, the difference between Cajun and Creole, you know, and I'm able to educate them. I can tell you the exact difference you know, what the couple ingredients that makes both dishes different from each other. And, and it's neat to people. They always come back for more information. Hey, you were born in Louisiana, right? Where, or where were you born? I'm from South Mississippi, just like oh. her. Really? I didn't know you were born we there. Say, no, I tell you no, this all the time. Born? I was born in Alabama. My mama okay. was passing through Alabama. Uh, and I grew up in Biloxi. So this is my point. Though. An hour away from where she grew up. I'm from. listening to you talk, and you know, you were talking about, you know, <laughs> chefs are. You, you want to hear about their origins and, and yeah. where they get their inspiration and all that from. She knows a lot about this because that's where she was yeah. born. That's where she's from. I was born in Vietnam. <laughs> Right. I'm a boat person. I came over on a freaking boat with 250 other people. I shot the boat. Hey, you know what? Look, I don't My grandparents are all Vietnamese. <laughs> don't even make me start because I can bust out with that Asian accent very quickly. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think it's really interesting, though. Like, you hit on a good point, and I was just thinking about this. You know, it's like we're so quick to classify, like, our culture based on, you know, our ancestors yeah. or whatever, and it's like... Especially now, with the as the minority becomes the majority, it's like you have a ton of different cultures mm -hmm. that you know about and care about and have a special place in your heart. And um, you know, it's important to, I guess, investigate yeah. all of those different avenues and understand all the different pieces that, that make you who you are and like why you, you do the things you do. You said something at the beginning that really resonates with me where you said, you know, you wanted to do something with cult cultures and cuisines because it was trying to teach empathy. Yeah. And that's, that's it. People don't care about people they don't know. Mm -hmm. And if you learn about them, if you take the time to know about them, you'll start to care about other people who are yeah. not like you. And I think, you know, even the little things that we can do are causing ripples. And I, I think that's really important that you guys are doing this. So thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you guys so much for taking time to be here too. I know y'all are very busy. Now this is fun. Yeah. Yeah, this is like the best part of my day so I think far. I'm ready for my beer though. I, yeah. we, uh, we needed a couple, I, I wanted the drink before, but you know, yeah. I had ice cream and banana first and it is okay to have dessert before your meal, by the way, just That's put right. it out there. We did that for people who can't see the table right now. <laughs> Uh, do you have any more questions? Well, I don't know if it's uh, if it's a closure or not, but um, 
I was thinking, and something I wanted to ask Lisa is um, stereotypes. People probably wasn't expecting you to be a good Cajun. Oh, well, let me tell you about that. Many years ago. (laughs) Many years ago. You know, those challenges and perceptions, you know, how did you overcome those uh, besides hardworking and proving like your food was amazing? But from the stereotype standpoint, someone that wasn't willing or eager to try it, mm-hmm. you know, how did you overcome that? So if you guys don't know me really well, I'm, um, I'm especially now, I'm very blunt and straightforward. And it took me a little while to be polite. Um, well, I, w- I was when I came to Houston, but... Are you, you saying w- you are polite now? No, I'm not polite <laughs> now, but more, more polite. So when I first opened up the restaurant, people just saw that there was a restaurant com- you know, opening, and it was in the strip center. If you've ever seen that strip center, it's like the worst strip center in the world. And they walk in, and they don't read the sign. It says Cajun food, but they see an Asian lady, and they look at me, and they're like, you do you have fun? a fried... No, it's... it's uh, you have shrimp fried rice? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's a Cajun restaurant. Well, Cajuns should have shrimp fried rice. You're Asian, aren't you? I was like, it's a Cajun restaurant just because I'm Asian. And for a long time, I was, I didn't, I was not nice. I was like, I would go into my kitchen and said, go out there and answer the question. It took everybody a really long time. Even to this day, there are people that are like, um, wow, you're, Asian, but you cook Cajun food. I was like, there are a lot of Asian people. Because they rhyme. Yeah. And, and what made matters worse is, I, not, I love you, husband, if you're listening out there, but um, when I got married to my husband, his name is Benoit, which is 100% Kunas, 100% Cajun. And so when people saw my married name, they're like, oh, well, Lisa Benoit, of course it's going to be a Cajun. It's got to be really good. I'm like, seriously, I've owned this restaurant eight years before we got married, and now they think it's good. I'm still trying to overcome that hurdle, I think. People still ask well, me for it. you don't have to anymore. You don't. No, exactly. I've, I don't own the businesses anymore, but people do look at me, and the, when I say chef, they think Asian. And I'm like, no, it's Cajun. It could be Cajun. could be Cajun. I actually, when I was younger, I wanted to call a restaurant Confusion. Like with fusion, oh. like Mexican confusion. Oh. But thank goodness I didn't name it that. I, it was like confusion with a C. You're a confusion. So I am. I am a hot mess. I don't even know if I answered your question, but people still think I cook Asian Chinese food. Yeah. You did, and I think you you overcame uh, the challenge. But also, it's still present, not only in your business or with you, but you know, across town and across the world. Because exactly that, that is a, the, one of the issues that we're trying to, if not solve, at least uh, alleviate on what we can, right? Yeah. Uh, going against those stereotypes, stereotypes and, and educating. Like well, I, I, uh, I'm actually, I have, um, I have jokes. When uh, they're not funny, <laughs> they're not funny. But when people go, um, they, I, and I'm not racist, but they always think that you know. Cajun is a, a darker skinned person cooking in the back of the kitchen, so I'll be Eric. Bring a key. Go. I'll say, This is my cook. He's cooking your po' boy right He's making your sandwich right now. So He's from He's from Mexico. He's I was like, He's from Mexico. I was like, He's from California, and I have that one's from Colorado, and yeah, this one's from South Houston, and yeah, I'm from Louisiana. So 
I mean, he's not going to be cooking you Mexican food, and I don't even know if that person knows how to do anything else besides pole boys. But we do get people all like, wow, you know, they can't cook because they're this or they can't cook because they're that. They can be trained. Mm-hmm. I can train. I mean, that's why I, I, I can teach people about culture. Mm-hmm. I can show people how to cook what I want them to cook. It's just a step-by-step process. It's just a matter of educating them and showing the steps properly. I took over a tamale restaurant for freaking a year. Did y'all know about my tamale restaurant? No, I Oh, I learned how to make tamales. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. When I I bought... Yeah, that's it. She did. That's the impressive part. What was really crazy was exactly a year anniversary after I did a cook with... And it popped up. I bought a tamale restaurant to convert into a Cajun, but instead of shutting it down, uh-huh. I went ahead and learned how to do everything. Whoa. Now, let me tell you, I learned how to do it, but I do not ever want to own a tamale restaurant. Do you know the time it takes? I have an prep? idea, yeah. I was in that restaurant <laughs> till three o'clock to, yeah. in the morning. Yeah. And then cooking the meat, you have to cook the meat four or five hours before it's soft enough for you to break it down and then stuff Instant it. pot. <laughs> so I'm just saying. But I mean, well, I, like like Cook was saying, was, new generations are not going to be able to do that. Like, yeah, who's interested yeah. in that? Yeah, but yeah. man, that is some tamales. Thanks. Oh, nightmares! I was having bad dreams about tamales, like over drying and stuff like yeah. that. It was terrible. I think that's so cool, though, that you wanted to like learn about it, though. You yeah, know, and just I, understand. I was like, well, mine as well. It can't be that hard. <laughs> Yeah, you, and, and people look at me and they're like, you make that seem so easy. Like crawfish, I make crawfish look easy. I can make a pole boy look easy. And then when you actually get your hands on it, it's not that easy. Yeah. And I watch her and I'm like, yeah, I could do that any day. And then I can't bake a cake. So So are chefs born or trained? Um, or made? No, I think they're made. Because uh, I can tell you before I was 25, I burnt every single thing in the kitchen. I learned how to cook the hard way, and but I've always had a good palate. I ate, I mean, from the time I was 15, 16 in college, I always ate like the best food. And I could pick out all the flavors, but I can tell you I couldn't cook. And I had to learn, actually it was my second year owning the restaurant, I could teach people how to cook. I could taste their cooking to see if it's right or not, and I could smell everything. And I still do. My husband never asked me to taste anything anymore. He goes, honey, can you come smell this? I could tell if there's like salt missing, spices missing, whatever it is that's missing, I could smell it. Um, but I had to learn how to cook. Um, yeah, that, that, it, was, it was after that one time I cooked, I, I came up as hottest chef in Houston, and my husband invited me over to cook, and um, everything came in a can. I made smothered pork chops. It was frozen pork chops, canned cream of mushroom, canned corn. I thought I turned that off. Uh, canned corn and um, canned green beans. And he didn't say anything. His mom owns gourmet restaurants. And um, I didn't know this. Well, anyways, after that date, I never opened up another can again. I did learn how to cook a lot. And, and I think what we're talking about is, again, passion, right? If, if you're not only interested on the food, but also on having that reward and serving people and uh, teaching them something new about culture and cuisine, yeah. that ha- might spark people. the chef in you. So. Yeah, and that, that customer experience y'all yeah. mentioned. Well, happy yeah. people is very hard to find. Like, it's, it's, it's so, it makes me so happy. Like, when people are happy. Yeah. And that's all I care about. 
And I, I think, you know, and you take it to any kind of business you do, as long as the, the customers are happy, you, you feel good. And it just makes you, it feeds off other people too. Yeah. Like her, all kinds of people flock to her all the time. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show again. And, well, thank you for uh, having us. Yeah, y'all been a blast. I knew knew you would be, so. <laughs> did we answer the questions good? You did. Yeah. You did a great I job. I tried to take notes before. It, no, uh, deserving of a beer. <laughs> yes, I need one. <laughs> awesome. Production and audio editing brought to you by Richard Borger with Meraki Recordings.